0: This is the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Trevor Simply Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. I,
1: um, it, It's kind of funny. It's not, not to always start with the weather update, but we have some snow on the ground first time mm-hmm. this year. It's a little bit darker this morning as we record, so mm-hmm. it's starting to feel very, uh, you know, there's definitely some some changes of foot, which is nice. But yeah, no, I'm doing well, and... Join enjoying, enjoying life. How about you?
0: Well, same here. I was walking around outside yesterday and just thought this is so pretty. I love this time of year. There's, it's chilly but not mm-hmm. you know frigid. And the there are tons of leaves still in the trees and still on the ground. I mean it's just that that time before everything kind of turns brown or white in, in your case. We did <laughs> right? get a little bit of snow. Um, I wasn't here for it. I was at work where I I didn't get any snow. It's <laughs> just oh, a, little, a little far, away, you know, not too far away. In fact, a little closer to the mountains is where I was at. But um, there was just a little bit of snow, but nothing stuck or anything like that. Mm. So yeah, that, I will, that's, that's the fun type to me.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, that's what we have right now at dusting. But looking if the forecast comes through, like they say, it might by tomorrow, we could have something like six to eight inches, which is pretty, oh. pretty crazy this early, but Every once yeah. in a while it happens around Halloween. I remember a mm-hmm. few of those, uh, you know, classic stories that you tell of of um, going trick or treating, you know, and through 10 feet of snow. No, but through, you <laughs> know, like a f- six inches a foot of snow and yeah. having to wear your coat outside your costume and all those. You know, those are the, the war yeah. stories you can tell your kids.
0: Well, my kids have never had it that way. They usually oh, wow. are able to go trick or treating, you know, when we lived uh, out east, mm-hmm. um, you know, without jackets and honestly most of the time even here um it's it's usually 60 or so degrees Mm -hmm. and toward the evening yeah i they haven't had the snowy ones but i remember when i was a kid that's right back (laughs) in the the good old days probably happened once (laughs) i know that's what i think about i'm sure it always seems like
1: oh it snowed every halloween and yeah it was probably (laughs) once or twice but
0: yeah oh well we wanted to start today's podcast with a little bit of an audible. Um, some people may have been expecting, since we announced it last week, an episode on the Dalkey Archive, including the Dalkey Archive. They they uh, tweeted about it and said they were excited to be the subject of our next episode. And we are excited to do it. However, our guest for that episode, uh, who does not live local, is from Australia, um, has spent all the, the time while Paul and I were, you know, nicely resting Mm-hmm. Um, struggling with an illness and isn't up to recording, has a bad voice and and all of that, and so we are not going to move forward with that this week. We want him to be our guest. We've been preparing it with him. He's a big fan of uh, Dalky Archive. It'll be better for his presence, and also Definitely. we just are, we we just selfishly want to have that conversation with him. So we are. Um, changing things up just a little bit today, but it won't be long before we have uh, him back on uh, our schedule. In fact, we're, we're looking at just, you know, putting him in as quick as we can. Uh, so that's why you don't see the Dalky Archive as the subject for today's episode. But I've got my three books. I know Paul has his three books. Mm-hmm. I, I know our guest has his three books. And I was really excited just to to give a teaser It was hard to come up with the three books I wanted to focus on. It made it easier that I knew both Paul and our guest uh, had chosen some authors that I would have chosen. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to say, well, I can bring up those books if they don't, because I'll just say, oh, yeah. And have you read this by them? (laughs) (laughs) But there were a lot to choose from still that I thought, oh, I really want to touch on that. Um, That's Mm -hmm. a special book to me. So I'm excited for that.
1: I am too, and I'll talk about this more on that episode, but I actually had a, a, not an opposite experience, but what I realized is for how big of a back catalog they have, I have a lot of fun books ahead of me. I have not Mm -hmm. taken as much advantage of this publisher as I maybe should have. I mean, I've read a fair number, but looking at how many I own and how many I want versus how many I've read, this is one unlike maybe (laughs) Archipelago and some of those other ones where I had read a a big chunk of the ones I owned. I have some work to do, so some fun work
0: to do. There you go. Yeah, exactly. This will be a a spur to get you moving on that. Exactly. (laughs) Quit slacking. You got a couple weeks. You can probably read, you know, just a bunch of them. Yeah, pretty much the whole archive. Right. (laughs) 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 Well, uh, on that note, what have you been reading? Yeah,
1: I have been reading lots of good stuff. I wanted to continue to kind of give some quick updates on my Republic of Consciousness prize reading because I've been enjoying that so much. Um, I'll just make that fairly brief today and mention a book I just finished. And this is going to be tricky for the pronunciation. So just forgive me in advance, as always. Um, it's I believe it's pronounced Lojman, or Lojman, L-O-J-M-A-N is the name of the book, by Ebru Ojen. And that's E-B-R-U-O-J-E-N. And that's translated from the Turkish by Celine. <laughs> Here's another one Gosceko, G O K C E S U. So, again, that's Lojman by Ibru Ojin. And that one is published by City Light Books. And I won't go to, into a ton of detail on this one, but it's basically the story of this family that's isolated in a small house out on this plateau. And it's all about basically their descent into kind of madness and, and even some violence. So it's it's a dark book for sure. Um and I do have some questions about the second half of the book, so if anybody out there has read it or is prompted to read it, I would like to have a discussion cuz I'm not exactly clear on a couple of things. But despite all that, I would absolutely recommend it to anyone who likes those books that just feel very claustrophobic and you can feel a lot of dread building, you know, it might be good for um I guess by the time this comes out it'll be pushing it, but you know, for Halloween season or or something like that, because it's definitely got that that dread and that claustrophobia building. Um, And for anybody who doesn't mind, you know, some violence and psychological hardship, because it's definitely a a pretty dark one. But at the same time, it's very compelling and really good. So that's the most recent one I've read for the prize. Um, and it, as I keep saying, I'm just so grateful you know, to be part of this process because it's been really fun. Just I don't know that I'd ever read really too many books from City Light Publishing other than maybe some books of beat poetry, things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool to see all these different small publishers and bookstores in different places are doing all this wonderful work in the background and exposing us to all this world literature. So anyway, that's been really fun. And I'm happy to say that I'm currently reading Jhumpa Lahiri's Roman Stories, which I know that you've dipped into Trevor I don't know how far you are but one not of my too most far. Can, I'm kind of doing it down
0: slowly uh-huh.
1: yeah it's been one of my most anticipated books of the year and you know we've talked been talking about it what basically probably since our <laughs> 2023 preview episode clear back in January or whenever it was but um yeah I've made it through four or five stories so far and as always her writing it's just so magical and wonderful she's one of my very favorites as I've said many times and I was thinking about it while I was reading this, and I can't really think of too many authors that are just as consistently excellent as she is. Even among some of my favorites, I feel like there's, you know, ones that I like more or less that dip a little bit. And with her, I just can't really think of any of her books that I've ever read where I wasn't just head over heels. Um, You know, reading her for what, 20 years now, and the level of her work is just always so consistent. Um, So this one in particular, as the title implies, these are stories that are set in and around Rome. and always, you know, one thing I love about her so much is her descriptions of food and landscapes and then especially the people. And so I was just going to read a quick excerpt that describes this group of people. Um, and they're all attending this party. And it says, the atmosphere at P's party was warm, but impersonal, owing to the number of people invited who knew one another either too well or not at all. You'd encounter... Two distinct groups, like two opposing currents that crisscross in the ocean, forming a perfectly symmetrical shape, only to cancel each other out a moment later. On one side, there were those like me and my friend, and my wife, old friends of P and her husband, who came every year. And on the other, our counterparts, foreigners who'd show up for a few years or sometimes just once. They came from different countries, for work or for love, for a change of scenery, or for some other mysterious reason. They were a nomadic population that piqued my interest. Prototypes, perhaps, for one of my future stories, the kind of people I'd have the chance to meet and casually observe only at Pease house. In no time at all, they'd manage to visit nearly all parts of our country, tackling the smaller towns on the weekends, skiing our mountains in February, and swimming in our crystalline seas in July. They'd pick up a decent smattering of our language, adapt to the food, forgive the daily chaos, Overnight, they'd become minor experts in the historical events we'd memorized as kids and had all but forgotten which emperor succeeded which, what they accomplished. They had a strategic relationship with this city without ever fully being a part of it, knowing that sooner or later their trip would end and one day they'd be gone. They were so different from the group I belonged to, those of us born and raised in Rome who bemoaned the city's alarming decline but could never leave it behind, the type of people for whom just moving to a new neighborhood in their 30s Going to a new pharmacy, buying the newspaper from a different newsstand, finding a table at a different coffee bar was the equivalent of departure, displacement, complete rupture. So I don't know, I could just, something about her. She's just right in line with everything that I love. And and I thought that was a really nice little snippet of just her ability and a couple of, you know, what is that like a page to just lay out this, these two groups of people so perfectly. And, and I don't know. Anyway, so I could go on and on like I always do about her, but people know how I feel. Um, But so far, so good. I love this story. And like I said, as always, it's such a relief when you come back to a favorite author and have a little bit of that nervousness that, that, is this one going to be as good as the other ones? Well, yes, this one's excellent (laughs) as always.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm enjoying it as well. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) What have you been reading? So I have been reading The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride. Okay. Um, he's the author of The Good Lord Bird and of uh, Deacon King Kong, both uh, you know, highly acclaimed. Um however, I've not read either one of those. This is mm. the first one I've read. Um, some uh, friends at a book club, you know, that we're doing toward the end of November put this on the 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 list, and so we we went and got it. My wife and I are, are both reading it together, and it's really good. It just came out this year and it's It's definitely made me think, I want to go read more of James McBride's work. I want to read those two, you know, that I mentioned a few minutes ago. And uh, this one starts with such a kind of captivating little premise. It's not a unique premise, but uh, here's chapter one, The Hurricane. There was an old Jew who lived at the site of the old synagogue up on Chicken Hill in the town of Pottstown, Pennsylvania. And when Pennsylvania state troopers found the skeleton at the bottom of an old well off Hay Street... The old Jew's house was the first place they went to. This was in June 1972, the day after a developer tore up the Hayes Street lot to make way for a new townhouse development. We found a belt buckle and a pendant in the well, the cops said, and some old threads from a red costume or jacket, that's what the lab shows. They produced a piece of jewelry, handed it to him, and asked what it was. A mezuzah, the old man said. It matches the one on the door. The cop said, "Don't these things belong on doors?" The old man shrugged. "Jewish life is portable," he said. The inscription on the back says, "Home of the greatest dancer in the world." It's in Hebrew. Do you speak Hebrew? Anyway, I'll stop there. That's just the first, the first page. Anyway, then we go back, you know, to the nineteen thirties, to when this Chicken Hill, um, you know, kind of area was definitely a. a marginalized community in the greater, you know, whole. Um, it had probably been a little bit more uh, uh, Jewish in the past, had more Jewish residents, um, but a lot of black people lived there as well. And just, it goes into that community in the 1930s, the different people, I mean, every chapter I feel like is introducing someone new. I'm, I'm almost done. I've got like a hundred and, Twenty pages left it's 380 pages long and i'm still like you're introducing more characters it can be a little frustrating because i'm like i want to know what you know what did they find what what's going on i have some ideas in my head um as to how all this ties together but it is very much a story about community and about these individuals inside of it he is quite the writer i mean it just flows you can sit down and read a little bit and here you you zip right through things so again i'm excited to to get through this one i should be able to over the weekend and um then sometime you know i want to go back and read some of his previous work so james mcbride i've uh, i've heard of him for you know years and here i go finally finally reading a little bit of his work
1: nice yeah i'm familiar with him at all Yeah, I read or actually listened to The Good Lord Bird hmm, probably five, six years ago. And yeah, same thing. It's really good stuff. Like you said, very compelling. Um, And despite that, I have not yet read anything else by him. But that one that you just described sounded really good. I hadn't heard of the other one you mentioned. The Heaven and
0: Earth Grocery Store or Deacon King Kong? Deacon King Kong. I'd heard Uh, about the new one, but I hadn't heard about Deacon King Kong. It was up for the uh, Booker uh, a few years ago. Yeah, and a lot of people really enjoyed it on the on the Moocs and Gripes Goodreads uh, page. At, you know, where there's a lot of talk about prizes. I think, I think, I feel like a lot of people really, really loved it. So, nice. I yeah, could it's be funny. wrong, but
1: <laughs> like we always say, no matter how closely you follow all this stuff, it's funny how even a well-known <laughs> book like that, you know, from a, an author who's not anybody who's a young up-and-comer or anything, how those can mm-hmm. still slip by you. So I will have to go check that out.
0: Yeah. And uh, before we get to our topic itself, I did want to thank a few new Patreon supporters. Uh, Again, this is always something that that means a lot, and we hope to be able to give back by releasing episodes a little bit early on there, and by doing bonus episodes every once in a while. And uh, another thing, too, for, for listeners, so I've put this in our newsletter, but we are now using Substack as a host for the podcast, and that's been awesome. I've really enjoyed it. And the reason I wanted to figure it out is there are some people who have signed up as paid supporters on Substack, even though I, I didn't even know it was an option. You know, everything's everything that I release on there that is like a new the newsletter and stuff is free, and I didn't know people could sign up to be paid supporters on there, but you can. And I thought I don't know how to get you guys the bonus stuff. You know, you're kind of Patreon supporters. I mean, it's same same thing. I'd mm-hmm. love to get you the same benefits. Well, I figured it out and in that process realized we can use Substack to host everything. And so if, um, if Substack is where you'd like to support us as well, we have figured out on there, how to release episodes early, uh, and to get bonus episodes on there. So, you know, several options if that's what you're, you're into, but I want to thank these, um, new Patreon supporters. We have Joanna, um, and uh, and joanne you know <laughs> i very much appreciate your support to, to both of you um and also a longtime friend on twitter marina sophia um and hopefully we'll be able to have um, marina on as a guest someday uh, yeah, but thank so. you so That'd much marina <laughs> yeah thank you
1: thank you all of you very much appreciated as always
0: yeah well we did call an audible today, like we said at the beginning of the show, to to change up our, our episodes' uh, plans. But this is an episode that we've been thinking of for a long time and probably keeps getting kicked down the road as other ideas come to us. So mm-hmm. I think we've been preparing for this moment. Yeah. For We've while. been living our whole lives for this. <laughs> yes. And I think it's something that a lot of people ask us about and ask each other. I'm not saying it, it's particular to us um, necessarily, but it is about reading habits. A question I get asked a lot by a lot of people, even people that I think read a lot. How do you read so much, Trevor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I really feel like I do, you know, because I see the people who read a lot more than me. And I'm not comparing myself to people who read less, or even judging is that a good thing or a bad thing. There are definitely years when I read less, and years that I'm able to read more. Uh, but I, I also get it. This is something that you and I spend our time doing, our free time, you know. Mm-hmm. And it isn't just when we have a good book. It's, it's, uh, it's often, you know, if if life gets in the way, it can be. Uh, frustrating if we can't read, even if it's not a book we're particularly enjoying, we want to be reading. So we thought we would uh, sit down and and do a little bit of the, you know, uh, what are our reading habits? How do we read so much? Um, You know, kind of take it from there. This will be a bit of a free ranging um, episode, of course, as one thought leads to another. That that's how all of our episodes are, <laughs> even our very, very strictly, um, you know, prescribed <laughs> outlines get uh, get thrown aside eventually in our episodes. But uh <laughs> I was going to say,
1: listeners will be shocked to hear that we might go off
0: the cuff a little bit here. Um, and maybe it'll lead into some conversation about, um, you know, what types of books do we read? How do we read? Uh, do, do we read more than one book at a time? Yes, mm-hmm. for me, and we've just heard you talking about multiple books. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, maybe I think every week you're, you know, on Instagram and on here, you're like, here's the the books I'm reading, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so, but but maybe I'll just ask you that, Paul. Um, if someone came up to you and and just wanted a quick answer,
1: mm-hmm. what
0: would you tell them when they asked you, how do you read so much? Yeah. assuming they're asking in good faith and you're not going to be bashful and oh, I don't read that much, you know, right. Right. You right. know, what, what's your, what's your good faith uh, response to that?
1: Yeah. I think a lot of it is kind of what you were touching on there. It's just to some degree, what I do, like, I just always find a way to do it. And so, you know, to some degree that can mean during my commutes and when I'm washing the dishes and when I'm mowing the lawn, I'm listening to audiobooks. That's been a, an addition probably over the last, uh, it's been a while now, actually, it's it's been something that has become more and more important to me over over the years. So that's one thing that I do. Um, But a lot of it is just like you said, in my downtime, you know, that's just where my mind goes, I'll go sneak outside and sit, you know, in the hammock for 10 minutes and read or an hour and read if I'm lucky. Um, Before bed, I will usually, you know, set aside, we'll go to bed usually, you know, 45 minutes before we're actually planning to sleep. And, Read during that time. Um, I will say it's changed over the years. You know, when the kids were little, it was definitely more of brief, stolen moments throughout the day where you'd have to just find, you know, even if it was two, three minutes. As the boys have gotten older, obviously that has created larger chunks of time. So in the evenings, if they're doing homework or if they have activities outside the house or they're staying over at a friend's house, I mean, that has been, you know, nice from a reading perspective because that does create those big chunks of an hour or more where you can just sit down and read. So yeah, for me, it's been a matter of, I think it's just part of it is just, it's part of my life. And like you said, I start to feel kind of panicky and uncomfortable when I don't do it. Um, So I just make room for it. But I was Mm -hmm. thinking about like, even when, you know, when the boys were first born and they're newborns and you're getting no sleep and there's just no time, even then I would like take a book with me to work. And if I would go over to the park to eat my lunch, you know, just, read for 10 15 minutes there. So, I think it's it's a passion and a love, so it's not like it's hard work, but I also think there is a dedication to it. That's just kind of what I do. I've heard Andy Miller say that just, you know, this is I m- I make the time for it.
0: Yeah, very much feel the same way. I mean, even as a kid, I, I read a lot, you know, on the weekends I would uh, sit on the couch, I'd kind of lie down on it and and read. Mm-hmm. And when we would go visit uh, you know cousins or well cousins would be hard but let's say aunts and uncles where their kids had already moved out i mean what else am i going to do you know right, i could go turn right. on their tv in the room where everybody's visiting or whatever but i would go somewhere and, and and read a lot and so it was always a bit of a habit and then you know uh, went to to college and got an english degree got a masters in in uh literature And, um, when I went to, you know, beyond that and more of a professional, uh, setting, uh, it was, it was a bit of a, of a struggle. I was still reading, but I did feel like some of the, some of it was being sapped away from me. And that's when, uh, my wife actually one night, um, said, Hey, there are people who write blogs, Mm -hmm. um, about books. Let's look at them. You know, this might be something that you like that'll help you kind of stay connected to that part of your world. And that's when I found Palimpsest and mm-hmm. John Self, you know, okay. his blog, The Asylum. Yeah. And that inspired me to start the MOOCs and the Gripes back in 2008. And then, you know, we get books in the mail, you know, that we didn't expect. And and so it has just been a part of my life. It's it's what I enjoy. It's, it's a hobby. It's, um, it's a passion. And Mm. so there, when I was still living back in New York area, uh, I had a commute to work that was about an hour by train both ways. Mm. And, and it was also in the day before, you know, I had a, a phone, like I had an iPhone, but it was, you know, the early models. I probably had a couple of games on it, but I didn't have any ability to do what you can do on them today there was no tiktok there wasn't twitter at that time it would come around soon uh, there was there weren't these other things that were competing for my attention and so man i got through a lot of books because i'd read for you know an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening uh, aside from any other time of day that i would read mm. and that's a big deal i also read while walking um I, I listen to audiobooks, but I also will just take my book and, and read it while walking. Uh, when i when I was working in New York, um, I think tourists would would sometimes stop and take pictures of me. Uh, you know here I am in in my my suit with a, with an overcoat on and I'm walking fast, but I had my book out. I was pretty good at it. I never stumbled, didn't twist an ankle. That's um, impressive. and it's something my mom you know, when I grew up, that's what she would do. She'd go on her walk in the afternoon and take a book with her. And I started doing that pretty young. So there just never felt like a reason to be without a book. And now something that I found is is helpful is if I have a big book that I want to read and I can't have it kind of out and about, I think I told you about this. I take pictures of the pages that day, maybe 10, 15 pages on my phone so that Doesn't matter where I'm at, I can read that book. That's how I got through Konstantin uh, uh, Postovsky's A Story of a Life earlier this year, which is a big book that I would have had a hard time toting around on a walk. I wouldn't have, I didn't do it. I was never going to do that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, get your arm exercises in, though. Right. And and that's even hard when you're sitting in a chair, some of these books. You know, Mm -hmm. right now I'm reading War and Peace. And the Brothers Karamazov, and it's because this opened up that that ability for me, and so I'm almost done with the Brothers Karamazov. I'll be finishing that in a few weeks, or in pieces, a different matter. I've got plenty of time left with it. Right. <laughs> Chapters are shorter, so reading a chapter a day there doesn't doesn't push me through the book nearly as fast, but it's enjoyable. You know, those are some those are some strategies, I guess, uh, that allow me to still have books handy even when sometimes they wouldn't be. And I try not to be, you know, let the book be a distraction. You know, it's not like I'm sitting there talking to people or at work and, you know, in a meeting and I'm reading on my phone. Right. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, it makes it so my, maybe that that little, the way we're all connected to our phones today, I do still check it for news or, you know, stupid little memes or whatever. And I enjoy Mm -hmm. that. But that impulse that we have to, like, oh, you know, where, where's my phone? Am I, you know, to check it? I am able to divert that to reading as well. So those are some yeah. things that I think really help. I keep at it, and and yeah, it's an exercise. I know Andy Miller talks about that in the Year of Reading Dangerously mm-hmm. as well. That it can be difficult to finish books if you're not practiced at finished book finishing books. It's a, it's a skill to develop and, and these are the ways that I kind of work at it, I guess, but it's also just really enjoyable. I'm, I'm with you. If I'm not there, there, even with our podcast, there have been times when I've found that there's too much to do. I have not had the ability to read for a few days at a time. And it does, it starts to kind of, you know, I, I need something that not, it's not just the reading. I need something that connects me to these other narratives and that pulls me away. And that, you know, I don't know, there's, it, it is something that I guess we have the added benefit of maybe we're addicted to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's
1: true, but I also, I would still argue that like people talk about, you know, meditation or for some people prayer or whatever. I mean, for me, I do think it's one of those daily things. Mm-hmm. It's, it like centers me. It reminds me of who I am. Like you said, there is the element of you do get snippets into other lives and all that is hugely important, but it's also just very centering, just the act of it. It's <laughs> almost this daily, this daily habit that just, I don't know, it's just been part of my life so long that I think it's I, just. I like the I way
0: you put it versus addiction. That's, that's a better yeah, way. To put exactly.
1: <laughs> Putting a positive spin. I'm on the reading PR campaign. No, um, no, there's probably a little bit of addiction as well, but I mean, you mentioned the phone. It's interesting because. You know, social media and everything is such, it can be such a distraction and it could be considered an obstacle to a lot of this. But it's also interesting how it has, like you said, with Palimpsest Mm -hmm. and some of the forums and it's developed into Twitter and all these other friends that we've met online. It is also a huge, it adds fuel to the fire. I mean, I get so excited Mm -hmm. when I'm having these conversations with people or I see these big stacks of books they're posting or reading. So it actually despite being a potential distraction it can also be something that's a, a big motivator for me but i will say that there are times where say on the weekend i'll take my phone and just stick it in the other room you know for an hour or sometimes a day but that's pretty rare but i would recommend to somebody who is having trouble with you know finding the time if you, if you're able to do something like that Just having your distractions somewhere else and just going somewhere where it's just you and your book and just getting back. You said practicing. I mean, there is something to the idea of just retraining our brains, which are so, you know, these days it's like there's a million things going on and attention spans aren't what they used to be
0: Um, to just immerse yourself and relax and take the time to spend with a book. Mm -hmm. And it isn't easy. Um, I, I do that sometimes and it gets easier. Like you say, it's, there's practice involved. So if there's somebody who is sitting there and thinking, I'm going to do that today. And you find it stressful to put your phone somewhere else or, you know, mm-hmm. to, to not have that, um, that's not a, that, that's, I think, fairly common. And I've experienced that, uh, and I don't want to live in that kind of stress. So sometimes I'm like, this isn't working right now. I'll push a little bit harder because I want to be better at it tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, maybe am not going to be able to sit down and, and read for, you know, 30 minutes with my phone in another room. And, and it's hard because there are so many, this is the way people connect to us work, you know, is like, if yeah. I'm home, uh, in, in the daytime, even on a day off, I have a really, really, really hard time, um, focusing on, uh, reading, for example, without mm-hmm. having my phone there because what if someone needs me even though they shouldn't and it's my day off and whatever. So I totally get that. Uh, But I also find that it's pretty helpful. And and this brings up another thing with me. Um, Are there times of day that you feel your reading habits are more productive or do you just kind of steal from any time that you can get uh, to, to read what, what's your, what's your habit when it comes to just a normal day in the life of Paul? Yeah.
1: I mean, I definitely would say evenings into night, you know, are the, the main times where I kind of immerse myself. Um, there are nights where my like I'll, I'll get home from work and my wife has to work a little bit later and the kids are gone or something like that. And so sometimes I'll get, you know, half an hour or an hour where I will just be able to do that. Um, like I said, right before bed is another big chunk of time if we're looking for like big t- amounts of time. And then, um, you know, every day when I'm at the office, I will, there's a park right over by where I work and I will sneak away. I've done it for years and years now and take like 45 minutes to just do a couple of laps around the, the park over there to get some exercise and fresh air or sometimes to brave the snow or rain. I try to do it pretty much all weather. And that's where I've really enjoyed the audiobooks in addition to my commute. So those, you know, would be the big chunks of time. But there are other times if you're up early, you know, and and nobody else is awake or something like that. That's where I feel like it's like sneaking in a little bit of time, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, it feels, it feels nice to just, I know you're sometimes an early riser. So I think, don't want to steal your thunder, but I imagine you might get a little more time in the mornings. But for me, that's not as common, but when I do, it's always such a wonderful way to start the day. I really like it. And in some ways I would like to make that a bigger part of my normal habits is sneaking in a little time early.
0: Well, there's probably where I've given a a misimpression. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I would love to be more that person too. Uh, But I, I have a hard time in the morning feeling like I'm fully there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But also even when I am like, I did try for a while, like I'll get up, quite a bit earlier a friend bob from the bob Sphere, you know on on mm-hmm. twitter and uh, and he has a, a youtube channel and a great instagram presence he gets up really early and reads and that's how he says he gets through books you know mm-hmm. so i thought i'm gonna try that and again my big issue is that that's when my brain is the most active about my stresses Oh, yeah. I'm someone who at night can be completely calm. No, it doesn't matter what I have the next day. I mean, it does, it does matter, but you know, I can still feel fairly calm even if I have some big event the next day. I can have nothing going on the next day and still wake up in the morning feeling nervous about mm-hmm. things, you know, and what mm-hmm. and so that my brain doesn't really allow me the best peaceful mornings to to read. But I did try for a while, and I found that that doesn't work. What does work is an audiobook while I'm getting ready. In fact, I find that healthy and and um, pretty helpful. Um, and sometimes I have those pictures of like war and peace there while I'm brushing my teeth or something like that. You know, so I, yeah. I do still start pretty early with those habits. But in terms of being able to sit down and and read, my wife does that and she really likes it. But I, I find that I'm too antsy. Yeah. Uh, maybe I need to work at it, you know, but I also like sleep. And, and right. I just, you know, I do get, I get, I get up I, all my life. I get up and I go to school or I get up and go to work. And so it just, that's how my brain is. My brain is on that until I get to work or school or mm-hmm. something like that. And then it, then it calms down. Yeah, I wish it were uh, different, but it's not, <laughs> not <yet>. I know.
1: <laughs> no, I know. I'm the same way. Well, I mean, we kind of, you touched on a little bit of your reading habits, but so if it's not necessarily in the morning, when, you know you've talked about how you'll take pictures and mm-hmm. do it on walks and everything but then i assume maybe like in the the evenings and weekends is yeah. chunks of time too
0: evenings and and the weekends now with something like war and peace where it's say five pages or six pages a day per chapter i'll i'll get that in in the in the morning um mm. generally mm. and you know i know for some people it's like no these are books you have to sit down with and no no, uh, you know, not saying that's wrong, but this is the way I'm getting through them and I am Mm. loving it. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like it is a very lively story. I'm sure there are some things I'm missing from that other experience of, no, I just sit down and I highlight everything. Um, but I'm usually, you know, by the time I get home, I've read 20, 25 pages, of a physical book just by doing it that way and stealing that time. um, You know, when otherwise I might be like, you know, having a snack or eating lunch and, and doing something else. Now I still do, you know, look at Twitter. Um, I still look at TikTok stuff. I still look at YouTube, but most of that is book related. So like you Mm -hmm. said, it it often gets me excited to read and, and all of that Uh, though, you know, I have other, other things that take up my time there too. You know, I, I the news is, is always pressing and, um, you know, I, I, I know you like hockey. I like mm-hmm. the NBA. And so when this time of year comes around with the NBA starting back up, you know, that, that it's not as bad as it used to be in terms of how much time I spend on it, but I, I still like it. to watch a, a few clips and get the the news on, you know, last night's games. So it, I don't think either of us have forsaken other paths and other, other things. Um, And I still like to watch, uh, you know, shows or or movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I went (laughs) last weekend, I went while my wife worked at the library. She works, the library's open from 10 to noon, or sorry, from 10 to 2 on Saturdays. And so she works from 10 to 2. Well, I bought tickets for me, a, a ticket. You know, I went by myself to see Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, awesome! At, starting at 10 o'clock knowing it's basically going to get over at four with trailer or with previews and all that at the beginning. And it did, I got home at about the, or sorry, I'm my, my math is way off. It's going <laughs> to get over at two because it's basically four hours long, you know, once you add mm-hmm. in the, the, the previews and such. And so I got home at about the same time as my wife. That's where I spent my day nice. where, yeah, I could have been reading during that time. Um, but I've, you know, and and yeah, I still have my my kids that want to do things. Um I had to run my kid around last night. My my 15-year-old, he went to see a movie with friends, and I took him to the movie house and then I went and picked him up. Um those are the moments when something like an audiobook really really comes yes. uh, comes in handy. In fact, I'll I'll tell you uh, the, I'm I'm listening to Heather Clark's uh biography of Sylvia Plath, Red Comet, still. I'm over halfway done with it. Uh, but I've been reading it for some time and then I am also listening to and really enjoying, um, uh, and I, I was gonna study his name before I brought it up on the podcast. He is reading it and he says his name at the beginning of it, but it's Hua Su's Stay True, the memoir that won the Pulitzer a couple of years ago, um, maybe even last year, uh, listening to that it's fairly short, but that's what I listened to last night when I was running around. So it's always got stuff in the background, but sometimes I'm listening to music, you know, I, uh, because I really enjoyed it. I've been listening to the soundtrack to killers of the flower moon. And so, you know, it really isn't that this is all that, that I do, but I think it's the consistency. Mm -hmm. I miss days, um, where this, you know, I'm doing other things, but this is ingrained in me that I get back to it. And some days I'm able to read an awful lot and other days, not very much, but it's just because there, there always seems to be the ability to have a book out. It doesn't require me to sit down and and spend two or three hours a night in my chair, nothing else touching me.
1: Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think both of us are, are lucky from that perspective of having you know, spouses and and Mm -hmm. children who like to, to read. I mean, part of the children is, you know, something that we've hopefully taught them. Although as I've said before, now that I have teenagers, I feel like right now I'm hoping they will still be people who like to read some days. It's like more about the phones and stuff. (laughs) um, I think that's just part of, you know, life today. But um, I'll just say that one thing that I really enjoy is, and you've talked about this, like sometimes if the kids are gone, or even if they're here and they're doing their homework, like, my wife and I will be tempted to default to to watch a show or something. And and we do plenty of that, of Mm -hmm. course, but sometimes it's like, why don't we just read tonight instead? And so, you know, reading as a family, even if you're reading separate books or reading with a significant other or a friend, I think that it can be a communal um, time to spend together where you're not just isolated. You know, some people I think maybe feel guilty or like if they're reading, they're ignoring somebody else. But if your significant other is, is reading a book or even if they're, on their phone, you know, you can just be reading next to them. And it's still one of those things where you can get some extra time where you're not off in your ivory tower. You're, you're right in the middle of things and you're still having conversations and everything, but you can, you can be reading in and around, you know, an area where other people are too.
0: I think that's a good point. I know we all have a vision of the perfect reading time Mm -hmm. is being able to sit down, no disturbances. That way I'm able to give my full attention to the book. And, And sure, that's, that's a really great way to do it but if that's the only way I do it then i I'm not going to be able to read very much at all and so yeah I think I've figured out and you, and what you're saying um rings true to me i I can have these things uh in a little bit more of a snippet like fashion mm-hmm. and and still interact and, and engage with uh, people I'm around um and and there are probably times when I need to work on it you know if i'm with family on a Sunday afternoon, a bigger family and whatever. And I, I pull out my book that could be rude. So it's not like I'm saying, that's what I, I do. I've done it. I've been told by my wife to not do it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is fair. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, there are moments when it's not going to be rude, you know, yeah. it's not going to be similar to just pulling out my phone and doing that when someone's talking to me. Um, for sure. You know, But yeah, all things to, that I've kind of tried to work on. Um, yeah. an, another question that might help here, which we talk about quite a bit, um, do you find that having book projects or, or goals are helpful? And, and the reason I'll bring this up is I used to just kind of read whatever I wanted when I finished a book. And it really has been while doing this podcast with you, that I've realized it is very helpful for me to have a book on the horizon that I'm looking forward to, Mm -hmm. you know, it used to be like, well, if I want to read it, I'll just, uh, that's what I'll read when I'm done. But now this kind of keeps the fire going, you know, Mm -hmm. keeps things hot. And so I don't mind that a book I want to read is one I'm scheduling for next month. And I used to not do that, but I find that exceptionally, exceptionally helpful in keeping the momentum and I've read more books because of that. There's not the, the tendency to, to not know what to read or to, you know, start several books and not really be into any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, I, I really do enjoy having the, the book project goal, whether it's, you know, a read-along or even just, I'm going to read once I'm done with this book, this is the one I'm going to pick up next. And yeah. it kind of gets slotted into that that routine and, and makes me excited, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, I definitely do. I, With a caveat, I think one thing that we've always talked about, we've said it many times on here, is I think it's really fun to to have projects and to have plans and to have a stack of these are the ones I want to read next. But I think, at least for me, and I think probably for you, the, the important part of all that is to allow yourself some grace and some flexibility, because if there's ever a time where it does start to feel like it's an assignment or you start for to feel sure. some pressure, even if it's self-imposed, I think t- for me, that's the exact opposite of what I want in my reading life. And so I do agree. I think it's really fun to have those. And I've told you, like I have kind of an unwritten rule in my head of reading, you know, two or three big classics per year, for example, or, or whatever the case may be. And I love those types of things. But I do think there is a part of my personality where if I started to feel like it was too much of a an assignment that it, I could bridle against it or, or start to lose some of the, the passion for it. And I've even run into that a little bit like this year, only as much as I've loved the various things, I've had more things going on this year than I ever probably have before between, you know, the Joseph and his brothers that I've talked about and you know, the NYRB women project, which is not an assignment, it's just these really cool things I want to take part of. And then judging for the prize, like there have been a few times where I've been like, you know what, I would really like to read the NYRB women book. But I just feel like right now, if I do it, it's going to be forcing it. And so, for example, I will take, you know, a couple weeks off from one of the various things that I'm doing and just recenter myself with something that feels right at the time. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's really fun to do it. And and I love having books to look forward to and and big projects, but I just think it's important for me to also not ever make it too stringent.
0: Yeah. I think that I feel the same way. Um, As much as I enjoyed being a, and we talked about this when you were Mm -hmm. looking at the Republic of Consciousness for the U.S. Prize, you know, being a judge doing the best translated book award did become at times a chore that was not enjoyable Mm -hmm. and it, it made it hard for, I got into the biggest reading slump of my life after that was done because I all of a sudden didn't know what to read next. I'd kind of been worn out of reading a bunch of things that I wasn't enjoying. And so very much, I agree with you. But Mm -hmm. I also think too, there, there can be that pressure. Like, you know, I started war and peace. I need to finish it because it's so big. It's getting in the way of other things, but I've eliminated that almost entirely by just saying, no, I read a chapter a day. If I want to read another one, I will. Mm -hmm. They're short. Uh, But that doesn't get in the way of anything. And it's, I don't have that sense of, Oh, I need to, I need to finish this because I've got X, Y, Z book in line. And so start stopping at the, the sense that I need to finish this quickly has really worked for me this year. That's, and I don't know if I've ever really done this in the past. It's been this year that I've decided this is something that's working for me. And again, it was Konstantin Postovsky's a story of a life where I'm like, I really want to read this, but let's be honest. I it's, it's 700 and some odd pages, maybe even 800 pages of, of a memoir in Russia as, as thrilling as it's going to be, am I going to be able to finish it before these, you know, books that I want to read come out and they're published and I get onto them. I'll probably put it aside. And I said, no, let's just do this. Then it was, it was also kind of because it was working with the NYRB women thing to not feel that I need to read as much of this today as I can so that I can get onto the next thing. Yeah. But I take a bite of it and then I put it aside happily. And that worked so well for me. It became something I looked forward to and it eliminated that pressure. And yeah, it took me like three months. But I loved it. I loved yeah. that experience. I would take the time too to to like look at the artwork that he was talking about or to look up different people because there wasn't that forward, that, that sense that I needed to keep pressing forward in the short term, but just that I'd slow and steady... And that was one of my favorite reading experiences ever, but it definitely helped to eliminate that pressure. Um, even though it was a reading project at that yeah. point, it became yeah. a daily a daily thing. Um, it just worked. I there. I'm sure there will be times, and and I'll be honest, uh, the War and Peace is short enough that I never have felt like it's been a chore. Other than at the beginning when I didn't know what was going on Mm -hmm. or who I was talking with, so I would spend time. Okay, which one is Andre? Which one is Pierre? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. How am I figuring this out? Um, And the Brothers Karamazov at the beginning was just thrilling and easy to get through, and they kind of reversed roles where the Brothers Karamazov has longer chapters and they become a little bit more digressive. Uh, Frankly, I'm surprised I was able to get through it and and have um you know such fond memories of it back when i was in my early 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 20s um because i'm like wow i didn't know i, I don't remember a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. and i don't remember it being so digressive and have these really long um you know moments where everything else is pushed aside you know all the all the story all the other characters are pushed aside for many pages while we focus on this thing still enjoyable but it became a little bit less exciting to get mm-hmm. to and now, um, we're back, we're back, you know, Dimitri has been, uh, taken in, uh, dad's dead. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I had forgotten how long he's alive. I actually thought he died after, you know, was, was murdered after like page a hundred. Right. No, no, I was, I was shocked at how much you read of this book before. <laughs> I thought he died before father Zosima. Uh, nope. but mm-hmm. I, I was sitting there waiting. I'm like, when is this going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, but now I'm on the downward slope. It's a lot more about, and there's still those, those chapters where you're getting one of them kind of, uh, lamenting or wailing. And it's a lot more of an emotional philosophical thing that, that aren't that can maybe feel like, Oh, I just need to get through this today. Yeah. But they're still pretty short, you know, 10, 15 pages that it's, and, and I can see the, I am, I am enjoying it a lot and getting those memories. So, it's been fun. But but, you know, I can sense that on that one, the pressure is there just a little bit more than I would want it to be. But mm-hmm. it's not to the point where it's been negative. It's still pushing me forward. So you, you're you so good at,
1: and you've talked about this year, especially you've been reading in chunks and it's like this, you know, scheduled five pages per day. And, and often you're reading three, four, five pages. Six, seven, no, m- multiple Maybe. books at a time, and some, and many of them are in that type of a thing with all the various, you know, challenges and different things that you're doing. Do you do you allow yourself? Let's say you're reading a certain book, and you come up to the end of the daily reading, and you would just love to spend the rest of the day reading that. Like, do you just cut yourself off? Are there any instances where you kind of just let the serendipity or the the passion just carry you through? Like, how, how have you managed making it whatever the balance that you need to, to enjoy it the most? Does that make sense?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So with the NYRB Women, I don't do that because early on we were reading a, a thrilling book and I was like, Kim, I can't believe hmm. you cut us off at this moment. <laughs> I need to read forward. And she said, no, you have to wait you know, with a smiley face. And I'm right. You know, she was just teasing, but I took it to heart, you know, so I don't, I don't um, continue those. Plus I've had a harder time with these more digressive and strange books that we've been reading over the last couple of months Mm -hmm. that I've been like, okay, I'm done with my, my reading on that today, looking forward to tomorrow, but I'm done with it. Um, but but yeah there are days when i'm like oh i need to read a little bit more of of war and peace and, and the next chapter's five pages and i'll just do it you know i don't i don't i try not to hold myself to that. i did that with um the story of a life as well because you know yeah i, I it's, it's it's there to help me enjoy reading yeah. And sometimes cutting off and looking forward to it is, is how to do that. And other times it's, no, I want to read this now. But mm-hmm. I do still have, like, I don't, not every book I'm reading is this way. Um, I'll read the other books that, I, that I've that i got going once I'm done with this daily reading. So the Brandon Sanderson, mm-hmm. his year of Sanderson, we've now okay. got all four of his books. And the most recent one was The Sunlit Man. And I really enjoyed it and probably read the last 400 pages of that 450 page book over like two or three days nice. while still getting my other reading done. But that's what yeah. I, that's when I took those big chunks at night, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe read a little later than I would normally. And it was, you know, I just, just thrilling to read. And I wasn't, that wasn't part of the, the daily regimen, I guess. And, and it, it can feel like, this is what I don't want it to sound like. Like a daily regimen, like an exercise yeah. routine, or here's where I sit down and eat my vegetables. It's not that. It's kind of the opposite, or or, or rather, it's when those things are fun. <laughs> you know, it's when you're looking forward to it because it is invigorating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a chore. It, it it's not a daily task or chore. It it. I don't want it to be. I don't want, in, in talking about it this way. I don't want to reduce it to that yeah. I love these worlds I love getting into them it's just been a way that I'm able to to focus in on it it's I don't know is that I know you and I are kind of on the same page but can you see my concern there that it oh, looks absolutely. like we're setting these things up because otherwise we wouldn't we wouldn't do it because we'd want to be doing something else it's yeah. not so much that as this builds the excitement and and gives me ways that I've learned to do something that I really enjoy that is really easy to put aside.
1: No, I agree. Uh, I think it goes back at least somewhat to our, when we were saying earlier about it, it requires some practice. I mean, it's like anything, if you, you know, are out of shape and you start going on walks for a while, it's like, Oh, I have to go do that. Like I force yourself to do it, but there reaches that point where it's something you do look forward to. and, and, you know, it may not be a perfect comparison because I, I think a lot of people, you know, do just have the passion for reading. But just as far as the habit building and and making it something where you train yourself to do it, I think there is a lot to that. But that's why I wanted to ask you about like allowing yourself, you know, those passionate times to, to if you're really enjoying something just to read in big gulps. And it sounds like you do that. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about the times of day earlier, but you, something you said a minute ago, staying up later than you should. That's something that I actually miss now that I've gotten older that from like my teenage and and childhood years is staying up super late reading a book. You know, I remember reading some like Stephen King books till, you know, geez, I don't even know, three in the morning, something like that. And I will admit that's not anything that I do very much anymore. Like I'll read, you know, till midnight, maybe sometimes. But do you ever have any of those, you know, sneak off and read till the wee hours type of things?
0: Very rarely because I'm so tired, you know. (laughs) I know. Or I dread
1: the morning, you know, that's the part.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's work the next day. Yeah. Um, But it it can happen. It can happen, especially around the holidays where I'm not Mm -hmm. worried about things, um, you know, work or something the next day. But in general, I... I would say my, uh, you know, even with the sunlit man, it was like 1130, Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. maybe midnight a, a night or two, um, probably over the weekend I made it to midnight, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Saturday night last week. I don't remember exactly, but, um, but yeah, it's, that's pretty rare. I, I can put down books. I've always been able to when it's time, you know, I know some people and, and my wife is, is one of them. If she's really into a book it's really hard for her to put it down even if she's tired or even if she's got stuff the next day it's just you know kind of stressful she needs to know how it how it how it plays out and can get really Mm -hmm. involved in it and I've been someone who I can have two pages left and I'm like oh I'll just have to finish this tomorrow (laughs) yeah Yeah. I'm kind of like that too don't know if that's good or bad but I don't either my
1: grandma who I've talked about a lot she passed away earlier this year, but she was one of the people who influenced my reading life so, so much. And that was one of my favorite things about her is she, if she started a book at eight in the evening and got into it, she would stay up literally all night, even in her eighties, even in her nineties, she would not be able to put it (laughs) down and read the whole thing. And I always loved that about her. So it's very interesting, but I'm the same as you. I for better or worse can put, can put
0: a book down. Um, yeah. Miss the the ability to do it the other way. No,
1: That's what I mean. That's why I okay. wanted to ask you, because I do think, like you said, for fear of making it sound too regimented, I mean, I just thought it was important that we emphasize there still is that absolute love and passion there that carries through everything. So even when I have all these other projects going, which I love, like you said, I still have other books going on on top of those that I'm, sneaking time away for. So it's, it's, that's the fun part is like just piling fun on fun, I guess.
0: Yeah. And it does help to have people to talk to, I think as well. Maybe a, maybe a yeah. final, a final area for, our, for our chat this morning, the, the podcast, you know, my blog forums like palimpsest and then, you know, Twitter and Instagram, those are places where I have been able to continue that, that thrill of, of the discussion. Um I, and you know, my wife is a librarian. She loves to read and my kids like to, you know, so there's just to, to have those ways to share in the joy.
1: Absolutely. Also
0: helps is a, is a big part of my reading habits. You know, it's, it's about books. It's about the love of all of this and, and, and sharing that with other people um, I know these places can be negative for some, I was surprised the, a little bit ago to have someone saying how much she just likes, uh, bookstagram. It's such a negative place. And I kind of thought, Hmm, that has not been my experience at all. I, you know, and, and I, I get, there's a couple things here. I, I do understand that there, there are sides to these places that I don't know about or have to suffer through because I am a man. Um, You know, there's, there, there aren't a bunch of creepy men out there just looking for opportunities to insult and demean Um, just randomly, you know, even when I, when not doing something. So I I get that it's a different experience for different people. Um, At the same time, I have worked hard to find the niche you know the people that i just find are positive and yeah. i'm very quick to just disengage and block and never think about somebody who turns out to be different than i may have thought that they were For sure. and so these places have been places of refuge and of uh, you know again a big part of the reading habit is is then being able to you know as you're reading or when you're done with a book have someone to share it with and and talk with about the book and that's, that's definitely a, I think a part of this whole thing for me. I don't think I'd read nearly as much if I didn't have the moocs and the gripes stuff going on with it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, I absolutely agree. And, and I've had a very similar experience with you know, forums and social media is like you said, I, for me, it's been overwhelmingly positive and, and I'm really glad you brought up all those caveats because they're very important to note the, the things that we, you know, don't necessarily have to deal with that other people probably would, but I do think within reason, a lot of it is a matter of just curating and, and like you said, finding the people who you connect with and focusing there. And I've had wonderful experiences even on Twitter, which I know a lot of people you know, have have not enjoyed. Um, so yeah, that's one thing I agree with you there. And then another thing I was going to say is just. It, it is so much fun, just the relationships that are built or even your existing relationships, how I can add some different wrinkles to it. The other day, my wife, she'd been in kind of a reading slump and she asked me, like she told me kind of what she was in the mood for and just asked me for some recommendations. And so I had so much fun just going through all of our bookshelves and like curating this little pile. I was living vicariously. My, my dream is a bookseller, I guess. But um, <laughs> and it's been so fun because not that every one of them has resonated, but some of them she we're exactly what the doctor ordered. And and she said it really kind of helped reinvigorate her, her reading. So stuff like that is just so fun. And it happens the other way all the time where so many wonderful book recommendations that um, people have made and, or she'll, she'll read a book and just love it and pass it along to me. And I love it. So it's so fun, all the relationships. and, And like you said, just the energy that comes from these conversations. And it's fun to look back over your bookshelf and just think of the conversations you've had about different books or That's a book that so-and-so recommended to me, you and I on this podcast, so many of the books that you have talked about that I've ended up reading, it just reminds you of all, you know, the friendships and conversations you've had. So it's so funny, something that can be considered such a um, insular, lonely, you know, um, hobby is exactly the opposite, you know, in many ways, it can be such a um, social and fun networking, you know, with other people and and talking with them. So yeah, I'm glad you
0: brought that up. Um, along these lines then, so I talked about a few ways that the podcast has changed my reading habits for the better, you know, setting goals and then learning which ones to mate that will be helpful and, and increase my enjoyment and which goals to discard because they won't, you know, um, getting some of these projects going, um, of course just a discussion uh, have there been ways that be you know starting this podcast and doing this podcast has changed your reading habits for the better or for worse
1: yeah no for sure i mean all for the better i would say i think what we've talked about during this one of the things is just i've really admired the way that you i don't know how to say it but like reading on the fly you know finding ways to do it I what you said about taking pictures of of your pages before a recent trip I was I wanted to stay up on my Joseph and his brother's reading but I was like there's no way I'm going to be able to haul that thing in my suitcase and read it on the plane and I did exactly <laughs> what you talked about and it it works so well and I have I don't know if it's a prejudice but I I am not drawn to to e-readers I'm not really drawn to the idea of reading on screens um, but I think it's helped me learn to not just set those lines in the sand. I had already done that with audiobooks a little bit, where, you know, for, there might have been a time where I was one of those that was like, is that really reading? And now it's like, yeah, absolutely it is. And so it's been really good for me just to kind of explore these different ways to fit reading into my life a little bit more. And I think another thing is just, um, I, I'm trying to think of how to say this because it's not like it's the shiny object syndrome, but I do think that you, because of your you know, blog and, and the fact that you've been focused on a lot of newer books coming out in your relationships with publishers, if anything, I think it's helped me read newer books. I think in the past I was maybe always reading books that were not just classics, but like 10, 15, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And I think this has kind of reinvigorated my my passion for looking ahead and like planning <laughs> what's coming out next year and and things like that. So that's been a lot of fun too.
0: That's funny because I, while I didn't bring it up and, uh, but very much, I probably told you this before, it's been the opposite for me <laughs> of helping me yeah. to look backwards and say, I don't need to save, you know, reading Trollope for my elder years. <laughs> when right. there are no new books coming out, I should start, I should figure out a way to get them going now without discarding my love for what's coming down the pipeline and new books or new books in translation in particular, whether they be, you know, old books that, uh, yeah. you know, are being republished by NYRB classics or something like that. Um, but also getting back to the classics that I, maybe a part of me felt like those were for school years and now, you know, I'll just read the new, not that I didn't want to read them, mm-hmm. but just this. uh, how do I fit them in? And so, yeah, that's been another change of my reading habits since we started the podcast and that's a good funny. for the better. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it's fun. I mean, if anything, it's just, I think the theme there is just no, don't limit yourself, whatever you might think or like have these preconceived ideas or these habits. It's fun to just broaden your horizons. Even something like I have a tendency I've talked about to parcel out authors, even ones I love, like I'll <laughs> read one and then I'll wait a couple years and read another one a couple of our author episodes or just other things that we've done. It's been fun to just go all in. And if you're in the mood, just deep dive on an author like Skolas de Sanga that reading all those just back to back to back created an experience that I would have loved them all individually if I'd spread them out, but reading them like that as rough as some of the material is, I mean, it just, I was able to make connections and remember things and, and understand things that I don't think I would have been able to do otherwise. So yeah, I think it's just yeah. um, that's another thing. It's just that that willingness to to try new things, to you or like go outside of what you would normally do. I think there's a lot of power in that.
0: Well, I don't know if our ideas for this episode, you know, reading habits and exploring our reading habits, fully came to fruition. I think we talked a lot about them. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe in a better way, because I think our focus was how do these help us to continue? It wasn't just, Oh, here's my reading habit. Then sit down. It's why do I do this? How has this helped me enjoy reading and keep that joy going and, and prevent the, the pressure that can make reading a a chore. You know, what are the ways of, what are, what are the habits I've realized in our conversation that a lot of my reading habits are are that, you know, I've tried to figure out ways. And so I'd love to hear from listeners. What do you do? What what does and doesn't work for you? Because definitely our reading habits are not going to work for everybody. Um, you know, they might not work for me next year. Uh, but that's part of the fun is figuring out what is working and what isn't and modulating them appropriately because I just want to enjoy the books. You know, I want to read. There are a lot of books that I want to read that I haven't read yet, and I'd like to be able to get to them. And when I get to them, be able to enjoy them the best way that I can. And so I'll, I'll keep on, you know, adapting and, and changing things. You know, we've already had our episode on um, highlighting books and underlining and annotating books. Does that help with your reading joy, or does that detract from it? Um does it go back and forth? I think for me, it goes back and forth. You know, there are books that I, I think that's part of the joy and other books where I'm like, I just want to keep reading. I'm not going to stop and, and, and do that. And, um, you know, so that's always the goal here is my reading habits are, are me, you know, they are part of, part of who I am, but, but I think they're built up to perpetuate that excitement or at least as best I can, you know, keep that going.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's a really important point is if you're a a lifetime reader like we are, it's not going to stay the same through the course of your life. There's going to be periods where certain things work, certain things don't, where you just cannot find the same amount of time. So you have to make it work. You know, life changes, illnesses, all kinds of things like that. But I think hopefully what people have realized through all of this is just the idea that no matter what it is, it, it's like this shining light for us, something that is one of the joys of our lives. And so it's not any trouble at all. And in fact, it's, it's a huge motivation to, to continue to adapt and find ways to make it work for that part of your life. And like, I just wanna echo what you said. I would love to hear other people's thoughts um, about this. Like what are their reading habits? how, how have they changed? And, and if any of them have questions or if there was topics that we didn't touch on for a future episode, I could see this being kind of a recurring thing where we talked to, to people and, and share their reading habits and, and answer questions about ours. I think it's a lot of fun to talk about because it's something like when we, we see these big stacks that people read or we see their reviews. I'm always curious to hear how other people read too and, and how it
0: becomes part of their lives. So I think this could be an ongoing conversation. And and in many ways it, it, it's almost as we as we frame it this way of what brings up this joy, I think I think it's part of many of our conversations. Um mm-hmm. last year we did our winter reading episode where we kind of talked about what do you look forward to that amplifies the reading experience at this time of year, you know, do you like a hot drink? What kind of drink do you eat with snacks? Do you, do you sit by the fire? Do you get some covers out? You know, I'm saying all those things cause they're so enticing, you know, but there are others that, you know, what kind of chair do you like to sit in um, that kind of make it so that it is the comfy cozy um, or on the alternative, do you sit at a desk because you're, you're reading something that you want to, really focus in on and you don't want to be lulled into dreamland, you know, too soon, or uh, I like both of those for different things. And I, you know, that's kind of a fun part of this too, reading habits, you know, how do you carve that time out, but also how do you amplify Mm -hmm. those times and make it so that it's just a a joy. And um, how do you do that in the various seasons, not just, you know, fall and winter, which I think we're often, you know, thinking about this aspect of it, but Spring right. and summer, you know, do you go on the mountains, up in the mountains and with a book? Do you sit by mm-hmm. a, a stream? Do you, you know, what are the ways that, that help? I know you've got a hammock. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. hammock. I love reading by the fireplace for sure. That's another one. But yeah, I mean, I know some people love reading at the beach or poolside. I will do that when I have it available, but I will say that is not my favorite thing in the world. Uh, yeah. My, I don't mine love... either. Too much. Sun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too much sun, too much sand. But for that, some that people, said, that's exactly what works.
0: If if I'm at a, at a pool that does have like protection from the sun. Oh, I can sit there for a long time oh, and read. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, last little thing, kind of on this line, habits and ways to amplify that just popped into mind. Music. Do you have a soundtrack? Do you, do you yes. like it that way? Or maybe sometimes it's just not feasible, but if you, yeah. you know, think of your ideal moment where you're able to sit down, you have that chunk in front of you. That's yours. Do you feel it also with a little bit of a soundtrack in the background or do you mm. put on noise, noise canceling, you know, white noise or something, or do you just yeah. like it? Ambient noise. <laughs>
1: I'm so glad you brought that up. I almost brought it up earlier. Cause it is an important part. I am pretty adaptable. But I do have a pair of Bose noise-canceling headphones that I may have mentioned this in the past, especially during COVID when both kids were working or mm-hmm. were going to school from home and we were all in the house. There were those times where I, was, I wanted to read and it would have been hard. And I put those on. Sometimes I will listen to, you, know, you mentioned a soundtrack earlier, like the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, that Nick Cave soundtrack. I've listened to that thing hundreds, maybe thousands of times while reading because it's just kind of nice background noise. I'll listen to classical music. I, I cannot do lyrics when I'm reading. Uh, I don't know. I know there are some people who can do that, which kind of blows my mind that they can listen to music, you know, with words while they're reading. Because to me, that's just too distracting. But I do love music while reading. But there are other times where I'll just turn on my noise-canceling headphones and just have no music going
0: mm-hmm. and just
1: have that quiet. So it depends on my mood. I would say my default is probably not music, but I do sometimes really enjoy having some, some classical or instrumental music or soundtrack or something like that. How about
0: mm-hmm. you? Uh, same as you. I think a default is nothing is on mostly because I don't think about it. If I'm you know home alone and want to read and think about it, mm-hmm. then I'm going to go find something that, that kind of suits the mood Um, Whether it's classical or, or, you know, it's kind of weird. This is not stuff I would enjoy listening to if I were sitting down and just wanting to listen to music. But some of these like lo-fi beats Mm, (laughs) that people put in the background of like their videos or that play on, you know, things on Instagram or whatever that are just kind of a rhythm. Mm -hmm. I actually can have that as the background noise because it's interesting. It's not distracting, but it's there, and I don't know. I, I don't mind that. I can't think of anything in particular right now. I don't. I don't know of what I what I go to, but sometimes I'll find something like that. And I'm like, oh, I'll put this on for a little bit, um, and then when I'm done reading, I'm like, okay, time to turn that off. It's not again, not something that I sit and enjoy listening to, but it does it does provide a nice rhythm to things. If I get the right one for the book, it's particularly, uh, you know, kind of fun. Yeah, but I was in just general, gonna a, I don't have stuff on.
1: I was going to give a quick plug. Um, Tim Saylor, who's an audiobook narrator and a friend of ours online that mm-hmm. many of our listeners may know. Hopefully he doesn't mind me sharing this, but he had created this playlist called Reading and Writing on Spotify. It's 48 hours of music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I listen to that thing all the time when I'm at work, mm-hmm. when I'm reading, sometimes if I'm just in the mood for music, but I don't want anything that's like, you know, that requires a lot of attention. So, like I said, hopefully he doesn't mind me sharing that. But if anybody wants to look that up, it's got just a, a wide mix of everything. Most of it is in, instrumental and classic, classical stuff. But um, it's absolutely wonderful. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that because that's been a huge part of my reading life, probably for the last <laughs> couple of years. Actually, it's it's a wonderful collection. So stuff like that is definitely should, something I will throw on.
0: Invite people to to share their reading. Um, playlists, yeah, with should. us. Uh, I would love to to hear some, and because that's also something that can be kind of fun is sitting down and creating one of those. Mm-hmm. Again, with the anticipation of oh, this will suit the mood when I'm reading, you know, Jane Austen or something yeah. like that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, I would love to have people. If it's an album or a, you know, a specific artist, or if it's a playlist they've created and they're willing to share, I would love to have that because that would be a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> well, we better, you know, again, we're we're very capable of continuing to find new new little angles to to just keep blabbering on about. But it's been and enjoyable. To save this... Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: to save that for part two and part three and part four down the road. That's
0: right. We got We don't want to spend all of our, you know, we'll, we'll run out of things to say. <laughs> That's right. That's always the fear. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much, Paul. Glad that we were, you know, able to to still have our conversation today about something that we've been preparing for um, you know, sad our guest. I don't know if we've announced who our guest is, so I'll just leave it kind of private for now, but, um, couldn't join us today, but also that's okay. You know, get feeling oh, yeah. better. We'll look forward to, to having that conversation as soon as possible. Um, maybe even in the next episode, we'll, we'll see how it fits into all of our schedules, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks for sure. Um, with another topic, uh, whether it be the Dahlke archive, cause it fits or something else. We don't, we don't know, but we will be back. Happy, you know, it, it, this will be released on Halloween for, you know, Patreon and Substack subscribers, um, but others will be getting this at the beginning of November. You know, as we get into this time of year where things are uh, kind of rushing to the end.
1: <laughs> I know,
0: such a fun time. Yep, we'll talk to y'all later. All right, thanks everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. You can follow the Mooks and the Gripes and get show notes and book and film reviews at Mooksandgripes.com. On Twitter you can follow Trevor at Mooks and Paul at BiblioPaul. You can also get information about future shows on our Patreon. If you'd like to donate to the show, anything and everything, even a dollar a month helps and is deeply appreciated. You can become a Patreon at patreon.com/slash Mooks. Until next time.